The man in the graveyard was no doubt an extreme example of what Satan can do to people. But what this reveals should make us want to resist Satan and have nothing to do with him at any cost. Not only is Satan at work in the life of this man, but there's another force at work in this man. It's called society. It's called culture. It's called peer pressure. But society was not able to accomplish very much about all that society could do for the problem people is to isolate them and put them under guard and if necessary, bind them. Oftentimes he had been chained, but the demons had given him strength to break the chains. Even the attempts to tame him had failed. With all of its wonderful scientific achievements, society still cannot cope with the problems caused by Satan and sin. While we thank God that society does offer a limited amount of restraint and protection, we must confess that society cannot permanently solve these problems and deliver Satan's terrorized victims. There's people here today that need to understand that. It's interesting to me that when he saw Jesus coming out of that storm, the Bible said he ran and began to worship him. Not only did Jesus come to him, but he spoke to him and permitted him to speak to him. The people of that area avoided the demoniac, but Jesus treated him with love and respect. Here's an instance of the power and the authority with which Christ commanded the unclean spirits, and they obeyed him. And then he said, come out of the man. The design of Christ's gospel is to expel unclean spirits out of the souls of people. But when he saw Jesus afar off coming out of a storm, that was miraculously calmed and finally coming ashore, he ran demon-possessed and worshipped him. Even the devil in this man, excuse me, the devils in this man was forced to tremble and bow before Christ. Jesus made the man desirous to be delivered when he enabled him to run and worshiped him and then put forth his power for his deliverance. And then the devils took over again and cried with a loud voice saying, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou taunt me not, me not, he said. It's interesting to note as the demons spoke through the man, they confessed what they really believed. The presence of God even forced a confession out of the devil. Demons have faith, the Bible said, and even tremble because of what they believe. But neither their faith nor their fear can save them. Demons even believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he has authority over them. They believe in the reality of judgment and that one day they will be cast into hell. They're, they're, this is more than many religious people believe today. Demons believe in prayer, for they beg Jesus not to send them into the abyss, the place of torment. It's encouraging to note that the demons did not know what Jesus planned to do. This suggests that Satan can know God can can know God's plan only if God reveals it to him. In fact, there's no evidence in Scripture that Satan can read the mind of a believer, let alone the mind of God. So this miserable, despicable condition that this man was in, 
He was under the power of unclean spirits. The devil got and had possession of him. And the effect of it was not as many be with some, as may be with some here today, a silent melancholy, but rather a raging frenzy. He was raving mad. His condition seems to have been worse than any of the possessed that were recipients of Jesus' manifest power. He was he had his dwelling among the tombs, among the graves of dead people. And Jesus finally said, What is your name? Here comes the beginning of the substance of my message today. Jesus said, what is your name? Not but that Christ could call all the fallen angels as well as the angels in heaven by their names. But he demands this, that the spectators might be affected with the vast numbers and power of these malignant infernal spirits as they had reason to be. When the answer was, my name is Legion, For we are many. A legion of soldiers among the Romans consisted, some say, of 6,000. Others say 12,500 men. So inside of this man was anywhere from 6,000 to 12,500 demons. I mentioned a moment ago that Jesus was hugely outnumbered. I believe it was this force that hurled that storm in an attempt to sink Jesus' boat in the middle of the sea. You folks have to hear today. You've got to hear the word of God. Listen to pastor. 6,000 or 12,500 demons hurled a storm at Jesus and his disciples. With Jesus asleep and disciples that had no faith, they survived it. Y'all can say what you want, but I believe today our country has seen more manifest evil this year than what I've at least witnessed in my lifetime. And we've gone through some pretty hellish times. But I have not seen it this evil and this wicked. Maybe it's been this evil and wicked all along. But it's been exposed. And people aren't hiding anymore. They're all out front with it now. I don't know if you hear it or see it in the news, whatever. But they're finding kids all over the place now by the hundreds that are intended to be sold to become sex slaves to some demented, devil-possessed, bigot, whatever. This is what this is where we're living. And this is only the tip of the iceberg. I've never seen such hatred. I've never seen such division. God only knows what's going to happen in November. But I want to I want to make everybody in this building aware of something. The devil took all he had. By the manifest power of 6,000 to 12,500 devils and hurled it at Jesus while he slept comfy on a pillow and a bunch of faithless disciples. And they survived it. 
I believe today there's nothing more relevant out of the Word of God than you could hear right now. I believe God has allowed the devil to hurl all of this stuff at the church with all of his might. And we have lived under fear. We've lived under frustration. We've manifested very little faith. But by God, here we are. God has his hand on the church no matter what. I believe everybody in the house, whether you believe it or not, just stand and act like you do. Everybody just stand and act like you believe it and clap your hands and give God some praise for his mighty working power. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. You may be seated. Thank you. My name is Legion. What the devil is saying to Jesus, this one lone man, Jesus didn't even invite his disciples to get out of the boat for a little backup. He knew what they were going to do. You'll run back to the boat just as quick as you were all afraid in that storm. So y'all just stay over there. I'll take care of it. That's the way I see it. But what the devil is saying to him. Now this intimates that the devils, the infernal powers, their military power. A legion is a number of soldiers in arms. The devil's war against God and his glory, Christ and his gospel, men and their holiness. There are such as we are to resist and wrestle against, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. They are numerous, he boasts. We are numerous, he said. So Jesus, you should be afraid. We are many as if he hoped to be too many for Christ himself to deal with. What multitudes of spirits were there? A legion posted to keep garrison and one poor wretched man against Jesus. They are united. They are, they are unanimous. They are many devils, and yet but one legion engaged in the same wicked cause. And they are powerful. They are very powerful. Who can stand before a legion of demons to grace church here today? We are not a match for our spiritual enemies in our own strength, but in Jesus. His brother Dave wonderfully preached an awesome masterpiece last Sunday. I have walked through my house in the wee hours of the morning this week, praying and calling on God and reminding the devil that I have Messiah in me. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. John said in his epistle, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, come, let's sing. Let us rejoice. Messiah's come, and he brought life, and he brought laughter to my soul. There is order among them, 
as there is in a legion. There are principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world which makes those enemies the more formidable. The unclean spirit drives people into that company that is defiling and so keeps possession of them. Christ, by rescuing souls out of Satan's power, saves the living from among the dead. The demoniac was very strong and ungovernable. Not only could cords not hold him, but chains and fetters of iron would not either. This man was a terror and torment to himself and to all about him. The devil is a cruel master to those that are led captive by him. He is the perfect tyrant. This wretched man was night and day in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones, either bemoaning his own deplorable case or in a rage and indignation against heaven. The voice of God is, the voice of God is, do thyself no harm. The voice of Satan is, do thyself all the harm you can. Yet God's word is despised. And Satan's word is regarded. There's people here today, and you know who you are, that you regard the power of the devil in your life more than you do the redemptive power of Christ. You know the story. The permission Christ gave them to enter into the swine and then the immediate destruction of the swine. He gave them leave or exit. It's interesting to me that when Jesus went to Gadara, he didn't plan to stay. No, he did not. But he didn't let the devil stay either. But notice what the devil requested to possess next. They requested an animal that the Old Testament law of Moses forbid the Jews to eat to this day. They don't eat pork, ham, and bacon. I'm very sorry for them. (laughs) Some pretty good stuff. They can't eat catfish either. I'm really sorry for them on that one. But it's interesting to me The devil didn't choose sheep because sheep are sacrificial animals. A pig wasn't. Had they requested to possess a herd of sheep, the answer, no doubt, would have been absolutely not. So they didn't even bother to ask. But they asked to possess something they would be the most comfortable in because the most vile and nasty and dirty and slimy and despicable you are, the more the devil likes you. He would let the Gadarenes see what powerful, spiteful enemies devils are. And they might thereby be induced to make Jesus their friend who alone was able to conquer and control these demons. Bible said immediately the unclean spirits entered into the swine which by the law were unclean creatures and naturally loved to wallow in the mire in the fittest place for them 
those like the swine, the swine delight to, they delight in the mire of sensual lust and are fit habitations for Satan. Does anybody remember where the prodigal son ended up? He didn't become a shepherd of sheep. He became an occupant of a hog pen. That's what the devil does. So, today I've got my landing gear out. But the consequence of the devils entering into the swine was that they all ran mad instantly. Even as filthy as they were, they didn't even want to be possessed of the devil. And so they killed themselves. I'm not going to even mention the devil ham joke. We've all heard it. But I submit to you today that we, the church, has had a front row seat. We've experienced the storm, and now we've had a front row seat to a battle that's been going on in our world and even in our country between good and evil, right and wrong, and truth and deception. We've stayed in church, and we've watched Jesus lead us to a place of demonic manifestation in our world the likes of which we've never seen before. But again, Jesus did not go to Gadara to stay in Gadara. He knew what was on him. And he allowed the disciples to watch and experience the whole thing, the storm, the devils, the pigs, the people, all of it. This should sound familiar to all of us here today. Jesus, God manifested as a man, spoke just a few words, never took his hands out of his pocket and the demoniac was delivered. The demons were put in their place and Jesus and his disciples left Gadara. My message to you today is we've been through all of this. It's time for us as Grace Church to leave our Gadara of fear and frustration and resume the business of the kingdom. Now watch this. They got back into the ship and there was not another storm. It was smooth sailing all the way back across the Sea of Galilee to where they had started. And the Bible said, waiting on them was a mighty crowd of people. And the first one that Mark records that approached Jesus was a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, a religious man. And he said, my daughter is sick unto death. Would you come to my house and pray for her? That was the first one. So while Jesus was busy going to Jairus' house, a woman came and just from behind him touched the hem of his garment. It's interesting to me (laughs) that after all this business the disciples had been through, they still didn't get it. Who touched you? Jesus, you're thrown with people. I mean, crazy question. He said, no, I felt virtue go on me. So there were two people that came to Jesus virtually at the same time. 
And those people, relevant to our current day, is waiting on Grace Church to leave Gadara and move back to where we started and minister now to these people. As far as I know, Jesus was only in Gadara for one day. They arrived somewhere probably around sunup would be my guess. Jesus calmed the storm in the wee hours of the morning. They went on Gadara. Maybe the sun was coming up. He cast the devil out, got back in the ship and said, let's go back over there. So Jairus, Jairus' daughter was dying before they left the first time. We know that the woman with the issue of blood had that malady going on in her body for 12 years. We know that. So she was running around somewhere in that area looking for Jesus. But Jesus stopped all the business of the kingdom for a period of time. He did. He stopped it for at least a day and said, I'm going to go over to this country who is built on people that don't want my promise. And I'm going to cast the devil out of, not the devil, the devil's out of that place. I'm going to have a standoff and I'm going to give the devil a beat down. And he's just going to keep experiencing that same thing over and over and over. I'm going to do that to show the disciples who I am. He preached that last Sunday. Folks, he's wanting to take us back to pre-2020, if you will. We've seen miracles in this church. We've seen signs and wonders. We've seen it right before our very eyes. I'll go back to the little Tucker story. He was a year or so old. Tanya brought him here, stood right over there. I was talking to a guy over here. Dave Bunch went over there and prayed for Tucker. Looked like he was going to have surgery on his hip. You know the story. He had just learned to walk. Dave prayed for him, and they set him down on the floor, and he ran across the front of this building. It happened. God is speaking to the church. He spoke this to me, that you need this time to leave Gadara. You've been with this demon, fear, frustration thing long enough. It's time to get back into the ship, get back into the church, and head it right back to where it was when this all started yesterday. And it's time to resume the business. stand with me this morning I'm going to be very direct we have people in leadership that have virtually resigned your post several this year out of fear and frustration and not just COVID there's been other things that's been up walked into my office and I can't do it no more There's even a few, a handful that don't even want to come back to church. And I, much like pastors around the world, until that wee hours of the morning at the end of July, I didn't have an answer. 
I didn't know what to do. We ran eight Sundays in a row with just a bare minimum on campus as we were doing live stream. We did another two Sundays of nobody on campus. I don't know what our future holds, but I can tell you that God has spoke to my heart. It's time for us to pick up where we left off at. You know what Gadara did for them? They returned back to their place and they saw Jesus in a way they had never seen him before. And I don't know about other churches. I'm not that familiar with other churches. But I can tell you that most of our folks are back. Most of you are back. They're not all here today. There's a bunch of them not here today. But we're all back for the most part. Only a handful, only a handful have chosen to do something else. And we have watched God Almighty put a beat down on this mess. And the front end of it was us with no faith and Jesus sleeping. But he's awake now. And he's put the church back on course. It's time for us to move back to where God wants us to be. It's time to leave Gadara. Oh God, it's time to leave Gadara and resume the business. I'm going to ask, I've not planned this earlier. But I'm going to ask ministry team if y'all would to just come stand right here and face the crowd. Just spread out all across the front. Maybe one in front of each section or something like that. Put a mask in your pocket if you have one. If people feel more comfortable, we'll do it with a mask. There's people here today that are still frustrated and you're still fearful. I told somebody on the ministry team this morning, there's about five people I wanted to target this morning with this message and none of them are here. I probably shouldn't have said that, but it is what it is. I hope God will minister to you wherever you are and for whatever reason you have not been here today. But God is ready for somebody to regain your faith and to regain your confidence about the direction this ship is fixing to go in. We're going back to where it started. It's time to resume the business of the kingdom. But you're afraid and you're frustrated. While they begin to sing I'd like for everybody to begin to praise worship. Put your faith out there. Put your faith out there, everybody. I need you to do this. I need everybody to do this. We're not here to spectate now. We're here to engage. We're here to engage. And I'm going to ask everybody to lift your, your face, your voice toward heaven and begin to shout out some praise because there's some spirits that's fixing to leave here influence of the demonic is fixing to leave here today. Go ahead, Ethan Cooper. Plead the blood, man. Speak in tongues, buddy. Get a hold of God right now. That's right. Get a hold of God. I need
right now. Is there anybody else who's going to help me pray here today? Is there anybody else who wants to help me today? It's time for a divine manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Jairus is waiting on us. The woman with the issue of blood is waiting on us. If there's people here today, if you still feel fearful and afraid and frustrated, I'm going to ask you to walk down here right now. I'm going to ask you to walk down here right now. Come on, we're wearing masks and all of that. Come on down here and let the ministry pray. Oh, 
Jerry.